Welcome to another episode of Ask Comedian 6. I'm one of your co-hosts, Dr. Paul, and as always, we are joined by Carmen Condola, who, uh, where are you a resident of these days? <laughs> Finally back in Edmonton. Back in Edmonton, you did a whole tour. Tell our listeners where you've been. Spent some time uh, in the municipal election down in Ontario, uh, Brampton, uh, and Toronto, and then was over in Ottawa with the WSO for Bobby Day. Managed to make my way back via Calgary because, um, of course, my flight was going to be delayed in Calgary, so spent a night there as well. We have, we're going to touch on all of those exciting adventures. We're going to recap some of the municipal elections. We are going to talk about uh, what it was like. Were you actually in Brampton for Bundy Shore? I was, yes. Tuesday. uh, Yeah, you can talk about what it, uh, the harrowing experience of being on the ground um, during the, all of the Bundy Chorda celebrations that were apparently so rambunctious that police got involved and environment canada got involved we'll talk about those and we'll start off with talking about your trip to ottawa which i was also on so world sick organization for folks who listen regularly we do a lot of really great things and one of our main strengths is that we are we lobby for sick rights to the government we're the voice of the community when we need to advocate for things COVID has been really interesting because we've moved to doing all of these things virtually but we used to quite regularly go to ottawa go to parliament meet with the parties and share what our asks were so we had the chance to do that in person at the end of october Uh, a lot of folks from our executive council went and it was really really interesting and we went with six main points so we'll share some of those six points with you. Uh, before we do that, Harmon, what was your feeling of being there, being where all the action happens? Do you have any feelings one way or another about actually being in Ottawa? You know, I always uh, kind, of, kind of come across and come away thinking that it's really important um, for our community to ensure that we have an active presence in Ottawa, you know, given that so much of the decision-making and policy-making um, that impacts communities happens in that space in that place so there is definitely a feeling when you go to ottawa um that you get of of the importance of certain institutions that exist there but i think you know for us um wso's uh you know headquarters its office is located in ottawa but having a, an active presence there is extremely important um if, if we want to continue to be successful in our advocacy I think one of the things that's really interesting to me is um, a lot of the strengths-based work can't be done online. So we have been doing a lot of the critical work and a lot of um, bringing issues up in the media or uh, writing emails, advocating, lobbying, being critical of politicians. That part we've been able to continue remotely. I actually find that the like positive building those pathways, building dialogue, building relationships um, isn't something that translated into going online. So I first went there thinking, well, this isn't really going to be useful. We're just going to go there and shake hands. And then the morning of, so we met with every major political party. You can check out the posts on all of our social media handles to see specifically which MPs came out to engage. But we met with the Liberals. We met with NDP and we met with the Conservative Party of Canada. 
And I went from thinking this isn't a useful exercise to I woke up the morning of and I thought, what did I get myself into? I can't be in a room of politicians and not be critical. I, I didn't know if I was actually going to be able to say the course of our talking points. And then I walked away from it thinking that it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. But I actually think it was really useful because um, there's power in people seeing your face and hearing your points. And it's very different being across from a table from someone and sharing a meal with someone is very different than, um, you know, tweeting at them and being critical of them virtually sitting at home. So that that to me was really interesting. Um, so we took six points. We asked them to look at um, accommodations of sick articles of faith on work sites. So we made sure that our asks were applicable at the federal level. And we made sure that they were specific. So we weren't just generally saying blanket things. And then we gave them a chance to respond. And, and there was some dialogue there. Uh, we asked them to look into the Sing Tata method. So it, for six with beards who are trying to create a seal with a mask so that aerosol generating procedures are things that they can do where they work it has been a tried and tested um, method where and it's exactly what it sounds like it's your dad's tarty and uh, if you tie it tightly enough there have been studies that show you put an n95 on top of it and it creates a seal and it'll pass a fit test um, so we were trying to get the federal government to put that into their policies and their procurement procedures. Um, that's a mouthful. We talked to folks about um, standing up to Quebec's Bill 21 on a federal level. We talked about a specialized program for Afghan and Sikh Hindu refugees. We talked about supporting international students uh, in the realms that are in federal control. So backlogs and wait lists for visas, co-op work permits, postgraduate work permits, and real pathways to PR. And then we talked about foreign interference in Canada. Okay. Which one of these was the one that for you was the most important? And similar to what I shared, like, do you, did you walk away feeling like it was a useful conversation? You know, I think, um, you know, in an ongoing way, the, the issue that I felt um, was was well received. You know, obviously the issue of international students. I think there's an acknowledgement from MPs and political parties that um, international students need more support. Um, you know, obviously there's an ongoing role for community to play and and kind of dealing with the stigma attached with international students and the stigma that seems to originate within our own community. You know, and and. I, I definitely was 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 kind of um, excited by the fact that there was an acknowledgement that all of these issues um, are relevant and, and something that they that it's on the radar of of all MPs from all, across parties. Um, but um, you know, when it comes to you know accomplish like workplace accommodations, this is something that the WSO has worked tirelessly over decades to work towards. Um, and I think, you know, giving that example, uh, which which we did, of sick truck drivers having to sit in their cabs, you know, in one particular case, had to sit in his truck for seven hours, not allowed to take a break to go to the washroom, not allowed to, to even just get fresh air, um, seven hours during which he had to 
uh, sit there and wait um, for a replacement uh, driver to come in and replace him. Meanwhile, workers on that site who had restricted him themselves roaming around the site without their helmet on. And, you know, he, he was able to take photos of this. But I think just, you know, that example in, in demonstrating the fact that there, there's a clear hypocrisy um, that exists when it comes to a lot of workplaces and a lot of federally regulated workplaces where, you know, the, the sites themselves are saying it's undue hardship for us to accommodate, um, yet it's pretty clear that that's not necessarily the case. And so having policymakers actually step in where, um, you know, workplaces are using um, justifications that, that don't seem, they have no rationality or logic to them, um, I think we need them to play a bigger role in dictating standards and, and giving accommodations. Uh, but, you know, I, I was re- I, I was really um, excited. I, I, I thought the reaction from all of the parties and the MPs was, was positive and, and they were very receptive to the message. And I think it's it just highlights how important it is to make sure that we continue to put these on their radar. Yeah, I think that there was, they, I felt like the conversations were really good. I think one of the things I took home uh, was that no one pushed back and significantly on any one of our six asks. So because they were so specific, they were almost nonpartisan issues. No one said, uh, we are pro foreign interference. No one said, um, all of the uh, all of the parties agreed that on a federal level, the um, there would be a commitment to pushing back against Bill 21 if it got to a Supreme Court challenge. Um, they were all invested in addressing the issues of the backlogs. How useful people are going to be and how many people are actually going to carry through with these as action items, I don't know. But I think it was heartening for me to know that these are not, like, sick rights are not a partisan issue. It's not one party over another. Um, and I also think, uh, and I, I, it's a very weird reaction, and I, but I do feel like I need to share it just because it's one of those humbling moments that challenges my own biases. Um, the I was really just there for the conversation with the Conservative Party of Canada. I don't know if folks could tell from listening. Uh, WSO is nonpartisan, but I don't know if people can pick out my biases from when I share things. Uh, but I did not grow up in a conservative family. I did not grow up, and I still, I still am very critical of. Um, Watching the federal leadership race, I saw a lot of racism and a lot of dog whistling. Um, When we have done, so WSO put together um, an infographic on which MPs spoke the most for sick rights in Canada. It was uh, Garnet Genius, I believe, who came out on top. So it was a a white conservative man who has done the most advocacy for sex at the federal level. Um, The Conservative Party of Canada, I think, took the conversation the most seriously sent the most representatives agreed most wholeheartedly um showed up on time engaged fully in conversation asked thoughtful questions and i know that's hard to hear if that those aren't your politics is is definitely hard for me to experience because there was this moment of like all of these biases that i have and all of these thoughts that i have about what a party is and who the people in the party are when the reality in front of you doesn't match what your biases are, your options are to then go into your, um, have that cognitive dissonance and go further into your echo chamber and just be like, okay, I'm going to keep thinking what I think or to accept what's happening in front of you and say that these folks are here in good faith and to engage in dialogue. And I 
do like I yeah just wanted to share that because I think a lot of the successes that we've had for like just measurably when we did measure them a lot of the sex successes we've had in lobbying for sick rights have come from the conservative party um was there any anything that surprised you or anything that you were like yeah this is exactly what I thought it was gonna be well I mean I think um when we go back and we you, you, a topic that's been obviously something that the WSO has been working on for a long time is the Afghan Sikh and Hindu refugee issue. And, you know, it, it, this is one issue that has received, um, you know, support from across the aisle from, you know, it, in the past, the NDP and the Conservatives all had kind of given space for the Liberals to do the right thing and, and find a pathway would allow and help Afghan Sikhs and Hindus in the fastest way possible. Um, and, you know, just some of the pieces where we had these discussions um, with MPs to say, well, how do we avoid this issue in the future? And part of that is changing the definition of what a, what a refugee is, including internally displaced people. And I felt that that message um, was well received. You know, we still have uh, several hundred um, Afghan Sikhs and Hindus who are in India and Delhi who need a pathway to come to Canada, whether that, and, and I think the, the ask being that they, they come through a government, um, you know, run program, but, you know, giving a reminder to MPs that the majority of families who supported and sponsored Afghan Sikhs and Hindus were, were sourced by the WSO and, and our partnership with Manuit Singh Puller Foundation. This is ongoing work, you know, while we've all kind of taken a moment to celebrate those who've made it, um, there's still hundreds left um, who need help and who need support. You know, I I think that's one of the issues that um, government can do a better job on expediting. You know, what we heard from people is that even under the Ukrainian program um, and the old Afghan program, like they've not even reached the numbers to bring over the people that they had committed to. And so there is these backlogs that exist at IRCC and the immigration system and it, it, it almost struck me that so many MPs are completely inundated with requests for immigration um, letters, support letters, help processing, and it almost sounds like their offices are, are just immigration offices. I think this is a position where, you know, um, our MPs need more support from their government and, you know, kind of fix a system that seems to be broken because if they're all spending all their time you know, issuing visa support letters and writing to IRCC to find out status, um, they can't focus on the bigger issues. And and that was something that seemed to be heard from across the, the board from MPs is that, you know, that's what's taken up a, a majority of their time, which was kind of a shocking stat. I think I, I definitely heard that as well, that they don't have their, they when they go back to their constituency, don't have time for their families, can't actually answer all the queries for immigration, can't answer all of their emails. And I think uh, most of my experience, except for this, this one time doing this, this is my first time doing this with WSO, most of my experience of MPs has been in their writings. And so it's been seeing them at community events. And it was really interesting seeing them on the other side. So seeing them in Ottawa, um, and understanding that they, you know, sit on committees and they vote and they do this work, there's this huge chunk of their job that I just haven't 
uh, been privy to and I haven't understood and maybe they're actually working uh, when they're in Ottawa, but they are definitely not supported in their roles and they are not supported by the logistics of our systems and they're inundated with work. Uh, my last reflection I'll, I'll leave folks with um, about our lobbying day in Ottawa is I was just so humbled to be a part of this team. Like I, I'm a WSO legacy, so I'm second generation WSO. I saw WSO in its infancy and all of the amazing, the uncles whose um, shoulders we stand on, all the aunties who did the work in the background to run this organization. I haven't really seen it be what it is today, which is uh, over 50% of our ex-co board and our national board are women. Um, most of us are, I think like 80% of us are under 40. And when we were sitting across from these MPs, we were able to hold our own. But if you looked at looked at us, there was every expression of Sikhi possible. Um, so like from the utmost death to just kind of curious about the path, there was there wasn't like there were young folks there. Harjinder Kaur, our VP of Quebec, is a student. She speaks Punjabi. She speaks French. She speaks English. Like I'm blown away by her and her passion and her advocacy. And everyone was a professional and everyone was just we have international students on our board. We have such a range of lived experience. We have gender equity. We have, um, like, I, I, I was just really proud. Like, no one person dominated that conversation. Everyone had expertise. Everyone took turns talking. I couldn't be prouder to, to be part of this. And I think as important as it was for me to see MPs in Ottawa and sit across from a table and, and talk to them, like, it, it undid some of my biases and it undid some of my anger. I am hopeful that it was just as empowering for them to sit across from us and realize that we're not a bunch of uncles who are angry about stuff. And it would be okay if we were. We're very proud of the angry uncles whose shoulders we stand on, but that they did pass this organization on to a very young and diverse team. So yeah, that's my that's my last reflection there. Very, very humbled to have gone there and worked with this amazing team. So <laughs> let's move on. So Harmin Kondola, you were in Brampton for Bundy Chord Divas. Talk us through what that looked like. Honestly, I, you know, coming from Edmonton, my perspective on celebrating Vandishore Divas and Diwali is much different. Uh, the amount of passion that goes into what happens in, in the GTA, you know, I, it was election day in Ontario. So a few things kind of coalescing at the same time. I'm just amazed. People have got like lawn ornaments, they're getting ready in the middle of the day. Lines at, at the Gurukad were way larger than they were at the polling stations. And then, sure enough, starting at 6 p.m., you start hearing Take. You know, the pop, pop, pop started happening, <laughs> and it didn't stop. I remember coming out of some duties I had as a scrutineer at 8 p.m. and walking into a haze, now surrounded uh, Brampton area, thinking... Oh, this this must be some kind of fog. And quickly realizing, no, this is the result of all of the fireworks that have been going off, and that continued on for hours. I mean, I I assume that by the time we got into the, you know, the the wee hours, uh, that this would, you know, kind of cease. And no, even I, I two a.m., I, I saw people gathering and letting off fireworks. 
amazing visual. Um, you know, I, I couldn't help but think as I watched planes land at Pearson nearby that, you know, I can't imagine being a pilot or in those planes as you just watch all these fireworks going off all around you. Um, but, I mean, it, it was definitely an experience. Every plaza, I mean, every store. This is this is a magical day for Desi restaurants and grocery stores if you sell sweets they're they're just blowing these out and um yeah it was it was quite uh quite the assault on my senses that's for sure all right so in that uh on that day the morning of the day environment canada issued an alert to parts of the gta saying due to a possibility that there was going to be a lesser air quality quote due the due to the possibility of deteriorating air quality as a result of fireworks for the valley uh, they then took out the Diwali reference, but they did say um, light winds and stagnant weather conditions are expected to cause increasing levels of air pollution. Air quality may deteriorate if the smoke from fireworks remains or at or descends to ground level. So I heard a breakdown of this explanation as well. Apparently, there were a unique set of weather circumstances which came from that um, from those stagnant weather conditions, which meant that the smoke from the fireworks was actually going to stay at ground level. It wasn't going to be able to go up into the atmosphere. Uh, a lot of reaction to this. What What do you think? You know, my reaction initially was like so many others. I thought this was completely racist. I I resented the cultural connection, the warning. Um, I understand the concerns as it relates to those who have issues and sensitivities. I mean, if you're an asthmatic or you have um, other sensitivities uh, to air quality, you would want to have that information and have and know because you have to take appropriate precautions. And given that, you know, when, while I was there, you know, I, I did see the result uh, uh, and understood very quick, quickly why there is the need for it. Initially, I, I was like many and thought that this was um, hypocritical. We don't see the same reaction. We don't see the same warnings during Canada Day. Um, you know, when Jeff Bezos is flying his private jet across Canada and, and you know, and, and polluting our environment, we, we don't see further warnings. You know, by using and naming Diwali, uh, I, I felt that there was um, an unfairness in the way that the warning was was issued. Uh, but then, like many, we, we lived through it. And so, Jasper, how did you feel when you yeah, lived yeah. through Yeah, yeah, okay. So here, here's my heart. Here's my hot take on this. Um, I, If it's true that there were unique weather conditions, um, and if, they ha if no one were looking out for all the people who were going to be caught in so essentially it was like we had created a dome of smoke and pollution and enclosed ourselves in it and if there hadn't been any warning to the community i think that would have been called racist too i think environment canada knowing that that could that set of circumstances was going to happen and not providing that information specifically to a racialized community i would have been critical of that as well um i I mean, I heard, I saw a lot of things that were like, you don't do this for Victoria Day. You don't do this for colonial holidays. Um, I don't see this many fireworks for those. Have you seen, okay, you've seen like Victoria Day and you've seen Canada Day compared to the Valley in Brampton. Would you say, which would you say had more fireworks? 
<laughs> it's not even close. Just I'm... it's not even close. Okay, okay, so it's anecdotal, right? Because I don't have the stats, but when I think about it and like like just mass every parking lot and like just massive amounts of garbage and cleanup afterwards, I don't think it's the same level of uh, and I mean, I think that was one of the possible solutions that that was put out by Patrick Brown was a consolidated um, space to like, let's let's do the Bali fireworks the way that we put on Canada Day fireworks. And I think that would actually reduce the garbage and reduce the pollution. Um, so I think that's important too, to, to actually for us to be able to reflect and say, no, we do a lot more um, than people do on those other holidays. And then I like I look at the the standards set by like Dixie Gordara, Scarborough Gordara and saying no fireworks because it's a better decision for the environment. It's uh we like honestly did not do a good job of um cleaning up after ourselves. I saw some of the aftershots uh from the next day. We have a commitment to cleaning up after ourselves at Nagakitan, um in, in other places where we put on mele. We didn't do that with Bandichor. Um, and this is anecdotal. It's getting bigger and messier that that I see every year. I'm also a pet owner and I know my dog spends the night in the bathroom shaking and drooling, but I know that we know now when there's gonna be fireworks and we gather her and we she's got a thun we've got a whole system. It's a thunder vest, it's white noise, it's making sure she's okay. But I also know that animals disproportionately go missing on days where they're fireworks. Uh also fireworks are made in factories that hurt children. There are when I look at this from a sick lens it doesn't make sense for us to be hurting children, hurting animals, polluting the environment, creating massive amounts of garbage. And uh, yeah, I just think that like whether or not the Environment Canada warning was racist, I think it gave us a moment to pause and reflect and we should think about how we can do this better. Okay, that's my hot take. What do you think? I, I tend to agree with you. I think that some of my friends um, still, because I came back and I said, especially if you weren't there in Brampton, you didn't understand the extent to the issue. And no doubt, there was this exactly the way Environment Canada had kind of predicted. This would trap this, this pollution um, right at the ground level. Like, well, today, like, anecdotally, the kids woke up the next day with sore throats. I as i walked through i mean kids was, the kids that got to sleep from the fireworks going on until two in the morning those ones woke up what's our throats <laughs> it was a haze i mean this was a strong <laughs> you've never seen this if you haven't been to brampton um you know and so i i understand the perspective even now as i try to argue with my friends who who, who weren't there um i get it i get why you're pushing back if you were there, you you would understand why everyone in Brampton is now saying that this, you know, this warning didn't go far enough. Um, you know, but but I mean, there's still people out there who think you could have addressed the air quality without mentioning Diwali, um, you know, and that the the cultural association wasn't necessary. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the ban on fireworks, I I think it was a phenomenal celebration. They just need to find a way to do it uh, without hurting people's. Yeah, so I agree. Environment Canada, you got work to do. Hire a sick on your team. 
Uh, don't stop doing what you're doing because those air quality warnings trigger things. I learned that they trigger protocols in hospitals. So more of the respirology staff are going to be on call and they're going to be ready for more asthma attacks. Our actions definitely made people unhealthy. And so we actually need that air quality warning to go up so that people who are going to get sick from what we do have the the right care. So keep doing what you're doing um, in Rhyming Canada. Just do it better. And Brampton, I love you. I will stand up for Brampton no matter what. Um, and uh, yeah, think about... <laughs> Think about how we can do this differently next time. Speaking of Brampton love, why would someone from Edmonton go all the way to Brampton for municipal elections? Obviously, I was there for Bob Desange Singh. And yes. the one and only, I think the whole country was watching Bob Desange Singh. No, no, I wasn't actually there for Bob Singh. Uh, despite, you know, how everyone on TikTok thought he was actually going to win an election. Um, Patrick Brown... Mayor of Brampton, re-elected in a landslide, someone who's actually stood with the Sikh community uh, on numerous occasions, including in supporting Bill 21, uh, the challenge, the court challenge to Bill 21, um, shows up to Deep Singh rallies, uh, let the Khalistan referendum uh, use the community center there. For had, a leaked, had a leaked BJP clip. Did you see that clip that was going around? Um, you know, in the past, he's definitely had an association with, uh, with pro-Indian elements. That's fine. Um, you know, again, he, he, I, I, I do look at the positives in, in when it comes to Patrick Brown. I understand you might have concerns. But again, one of the only politicians in this country who stood up to support the court challenge to Bill 21 in a meaningful way through a challenge across the country to other municipal leaders was picked up by a very few Um and and so you know, very exciting to to see um, what happened with there. But more importantly, uh, a few good friends who were running in municipal politics there, uh, just got something. Unfortunately, uh, who's unsuccessful. Uh, but WSO board member uh, Gopal Abdur, who was successful in um, overcoming Gopal Dillon, we talked about that last uh, last month on on the podcast. And how do you feel, uh, Jasprit, now that um, Gopal was successful? I feel like I have faith in Brampton again because I think that that was that was the one that I was most in like that was the race I was most invested in. Um, I we've we mentioned in in last episode's recording that uh, Councilor Gopri Dillon went on a trip to Turkey. He sexually assaulted a woman. There was a recording of it. There's a transcript of the recording. Um, so it's very public knowledge that he did this, and it was still a pretty close race. Um, against him and, and Gurbathap. And that was, I, I mean, it's municipal elections. You're not getting great coverage. I'm just sitting there refreshing the unofficial results over and over again. And I'm watching this. It's neck and neck <clears throat> the whole night. Um, I would have been very uh, disheartened if people had gone back and elected a city councillor who had sexually assaulted someone and there was a transcript of it. Because I think the burden of proof is already so high and we don't believe people, we don't believe survivors. And, and, and then the question was, well, what if there's a literal transcript? Do you still believe her? And the answer seemed to be, even if there's a literal transcript, we don't care. Um, and then, so it, it felt like a, a referendum on what I wanted, what I believed and my values and, and what I believe Brampton to be. Um, so congratulations, Brampton on, Electing Gorpatov, um, someone who truly respects women and people of all genders, 
and I think that he's going to do an excellent job. I think we have to say former WSO member. Um, so uh, we wish him well. We well that did that 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 we donate him to the to the city of Brampton. I think he's going to do an excellent job. I think Jaskarn would have been an excellent city councilor as well. I think Rod Power is a made up name. Um, do you remember the episode of The Simpsons where Homer Simpson renamed himself Max Power? Uh, that that's amazing. Um, I, and it's true. I don't know who Rod Powers was either. I didn't know who he was, but like, uh, I think I, I, I'm so sorry if friends of The Simpsons are listening and I'm, I'm misquoting this, but I feel like he took the name off of a hairdryer. It said like Max Power and he named himself Max Power. When I saw Rod Powers, I was like, like, is that a real name? Um, but I guess congratulations to him. Um, I don't understand how he won. Um, I do think it's a very real like consideration to think about the fact that the election was held on Diwali. That doesn't ever seem fair to our candidates, but the process is what it is. Um, and, and folks turned out. And I actually, when I sat back and thought about it, I think Bob Desange Singh might have been one of the most honest candidates for, for mayor of Brampton. I think he spoke truth to power. I think he has an excellent social media presence and uh, where he might not have won the election. I think he won people's hearts and I think he came out of this a real star. So I think uh, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of really good things in, in Bob Uncle's future. Any final thoughts? Yeah, sorry, good. Yeah, you know what? I think right now Patrick Brown should be hiring Bob Desange Singh to be yes. a, a an ambassador for Brampton or the comms guy. Um, but to the point... Holding an election on Diwali was such a travesty. You would never find, uh, I, it, it doesn't matter if it's legislated. You know, I know that that's the defense that people have is that it's in legislation that it needs to be held on the third Monday in October. Um, but the insensitivity of still not moving it, despite the calls that there's going to be a drastic impact on turnout. I think, you know, when you look at our good friend, Jaskan Sandhu, um, former host of this podcast, former ED of the WSO, you know, a, a person who literally lives and breathes Brampton, this man stands up for Brampton at every opportunity, uh, and he has been the most outspoken advocate for Brampton over the past several years, absolutely impacted by Diwali. You know, I was on the doors, and I could feel it. I saw it every single door that we went to. Diwali was the reason they weren't coming out as compared to other neighborhoods and other demographics. It's the equivalent of holding an election on Christmas Day, which would never happen in this country. Ontario even has a precedent of moving an election for a Jewish holiday. And even in the face of census data that shows you how large uh, of a group, um, you know, Sikhs and Hindus are in this country, a growing population, growing by over 70%, you know, according to the latest data, there's still this this complete lack of understanding and lack of deference for our community and, and, and our, the celebrations we have. I think it was, it was absolutely impactful. It's just part of this story that's not being told. Um, and I'm waiting for the data to come out to, to show us and quantify how big of an impact it was, because I can tell you that from our rough math, it impacted the turnout for minority communities by at least 50%, which makes all the difference. Um, and if this country is truly committed to ensuring that we have good representation from, from you know, a diverse background, there's already so many barriers and challenges to people of color 
running in elections, adding this in was unacceptable. Absolutely. I think about what my day was on Diwali. Um, I wasn't able to take the day off of work and try and get a meaningful celebration in for the family. And every, I mean, I did, I went to advanced polling. Um, my, I truly believe that the spirit of Bandi Chor and to embody Guru Hargobind Maharaj and to do that Miri Piri, I think that voting is the most beautiful celebration of Diwali. And I wish that that had been like that people had channeled their celebration into voting. But I, I, I can't force people to think that. And I and, and obviously that's not how people wanted to spend their Diwali. And it's also completely valid and beautiful to want to spend the day with family and, and to go to the Gordwara and to do those incredible things. Um, something the city needs to think about because, yeah, I mean, we're going to we're going to end up here again. Um, the final shout outs I want to give are to Navjeet Gorbrar, who uh, won a city councilor in Brampton. She is the first Dastar wearing woman um, at this level of politics. I think she's going to do incredible things. I'm, I was very excited to watch her in the election and I'm, I'm always in awe when I'm listening to her. Um, but just purely for rep representation, I think it's incredible for girls everywhere to be able to see a woman who looks like this in this position. So um, yeah, very high stakes uh, municipal election and some, some really sad losses and losses for Brampton, actually. I mean, not having just gotten as your city councilor, that's your loss, Brampton. Uh, but a lot of really big wins, not just for Brampton, but I think for cars everywhere. So uh, with that, we will, uh, this that'll be our November episode for Ask Canadian 6. Please take the time that uh, you need in November to remember the genocide in Diddley. I know World Sick Organization, if you follow us on all social media platforms, we are going to be running our uh, They Live Here campaign as well. So keep an eye out for that. We are at World Sick Org on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram. You can find us anywhere. We encourage you to, to join with your families and to remember and to participate. And again, if there's anything that you heard of that we are entirely volunteer driven and entirely community funded. So if you heard something and you felt like that truck driver shouldn't be in his cabin for seven hours because he chose to wear this thought or if you think that it's worthwhile trying to get international students pathways to PR any of the things we're advocating for if you want to support us with um, donations you can go to the World Sick Organization website and check out our This One program so until we meet again stay safe make sure you remember and observe the genocide I